welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. Welcome to another edition of the Two World Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jacob, and I have with me today my other host, who is... I am Barney. And Barney and I would like to talk with you today about the stages in the lives of our children. I have three children. Our oldest is Micah, who's in college. I have a middle child, who's a daughter, Aubrey, who's in high school. And our youngest is a daughter also, who is Hannah. And she's in elementary school. And uh, Barney, uh, I'll let you share um, about your children. Yeah. Um, first off, it should be interesting to note that Jacob and I are um, almost the same age, just uh, less than a year apart. However, my oldest child is Yuma, and he's seven. And my youngest child is Silas, and he's only So Barney and I will have some overlap in our experiences with childhood development, but then there'll be some parts where I'll be talking where Barney hasn't necessarily reached that stage yet with his kids. So that'll be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, just to kind of uh, give you a little bit of background, um, Barney and I have been brainstorming for a while, a variety of topics, and this one has been on our list. And it's really interesting for us to, from time to time, pick a topic where we reflect on a certain part in our journey and in our story and try to articulate what we've learned from it and gain new insight as we move into the future. And this is one of those areas that's very rich and meaningful. And so we want to talk about what it's been like to be parents. And as we do that, to explore the various stages that our children have gone through on their journey. And so um, maybe just to get us started, Um, Barney, I think you're the one who came up with this topic for our list. Is there something that led you to this topic or is it something you think about a lot generally? Uh, What kind of sparked the idea in your mind originally? I wonder if um, maybe I was thinking that I had a lot to learn and that I could learn from your experience. Um, And I think that since my kids are still pretty young that um, we still, I think my wife and I still have kind of the feeling our way along kind of attitude where, um, you know, each like for, for example, this year, you know, I mentioned in the last um, episode that, uh, you know, you must started elementary school. So that's a new stage. You know, we have a lot of new stages that we just don't know how to, um, you know, exactly what all, they'll entail and, um, uh, you know, what's coming ahead for us. And so, um, I wonder if I thought that, that listening to, um, having us talk about this together would kind of be interesting to see the ways that things, um, overlap, um, especially even though, um, our kids have been raised in different cultures, um, there probably will be, 
um, some overlap, I would think so, kind of like what are some of the universal stages, universal things that kids go through no matter what um, their upbringing, up, upbringing and schooling has been. And, and also just to hear um, how was it for you, because I thought probably your story must be interesting, um, uh, starting off as a dad when you were younger. And then um, my story might be a little bit interesting too, thinking in relation to um, my parents and um, how old they were. They were younger when they got started with kids as well than I am. And so I wonder if maybe my experiences might sound a little bit different from yours, but then there's still probably will be some universal overlap um, in, in that direction too, I bet. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Um, I love it. Well, let's dive right in and perhaps we could just start out with the earliest years. And I'd love to share a picture of, um, of our son, Micah, when he was a baby. And this picture is taken when we were living in Columbus and there, for those who are watching on YouTube, you can see my wife, Katie's feeding him this, um, carrot food. It's like a baby food puree made out of, of carrots. And she was very proficient at making these purees. And then she would freeze them in little ice cube trays. And then when it was time for him to eat, she could melt them and, um, and stir them up and he would have a fresh little puree to eat. But, um, this was early on when he was just starting to eat those types of foods. And he, since he was our first, um, we were very concerned about his, his sleep schedule, his eating schedule, that everything go perfectly. And we just wanted it to go very smoothly. And so we had a quite a high anxiety level about how we navigated that. And, um, I think by the time we had our second Aubrey, um, who you'll see in this next picture sitting beside her brother, Micah, who <laughs> was just two years, um, after him, after he was born, um, we kind of started to ease up a little bit and start to give ourselves a little bit more latitude and not expect things to go perfectly smoothly in all aspects, but maybe loosening up our expectations and giving more space for more grace for the process. And, and so I guess in a way, you know, when you think about the early stages, which you know, in a lot of ways relate to those feeding schedules and those sleepless nights when um, your child needs you and multiple times throughout the night. And um, it can be a struggle. One of the things that I learned just even from going from Micah to Aubrey is just to be gracious with, with oneself and with your child and to not expect perfection and that everything would go smoothly, but to be flexible as much as possible. And to try to um, understand that each child has their own unique dynamic and way of learning um, how to eat and uh, get easing into a sleep schedule. And, um, and it will look different for each child. And so we don't have to necessarily read a book and then think right away, we can reproduce that or measure up perfectly to that, which is kind of the more of the mindset we had initially with Micah. And so um, that's something that was, that was really valuable. And I think um, hopefully, you know, it's, it's something that informed our broader life too, not just parenting that, um, that we not be so um, 
expecting of or searching after perfection in the things that we're doing, but that we give grace, you know, when we try our best and then we understand different circumstances emerge that sometimes um, make it difficult to arrive at perfection. So one has to <laughs> strive to do what is good and, and make the best of it. So those are some, uh, some thoughts I had just of our first two. And it was really neat that they were so close in age because they were playmates growing up and it gave them hours and hours and of, of fun and entertainment. And um, now to this day, you know, now they are quite good friends and um, can share a lot in life, not just things of play, but things that they're interested in um, about their friendships and, and relationships and school and many things. So that's kind of part of the beauty of seeing your kids grow. Um, so how about for you, Barney, as you think about the early, early years for, for Yuma and for Silas, do you have any initial thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that probably our, our first time with Yuma was probably pretty similar to you as well, where, um, I'm, I'm not sure if I can really speak so much for, um, Ayako and her, her point of view, um, uh, you know, she and I both did um, a bit of reading before um, we became parents officially. And I think she was able to use that as a, a nice guide, the things that she learned. Um, it's interesting that she too had um, baby food in, in different ways that um, that she would mash up a puree or whatnot, and then we would freeze those. And that really did make feeding time um, a lot smoother for us. Um, but I'm curious... Um, when, or, or did you ever mention this to Micah or ever ask him, did he ever have any, being only two years apart, did he ever have any memories of, um, when Aubrey wasn't around? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, uh, hmm. I, I would love to ask him that. I mean, we yeah. certainly have in our photo albums, lots of things that we did with him, before she mm -hmm. was born. And I'm sure if I got out those photo albums and showed them to him, he could, you know, he could maybe recall some of those. Um, <laughs> what we really like to do sometimes is watch, we have video footage from uh -huh. early days and sometimes we'll play video footage of, of him crawling around or um, saying his first words. And, and then, you know, he seems to recall some of that um, but then you don't always know to what extent the memory has been primed. You know, when you see an image and then you're told this is what happened, then you think uh -huh. you're remembering it, but you've kind of, it's been reintroduced to you. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we have a lot of footage of him in when we lived in defiance for a time with Katie's dad and brother after the passing of her mom. Um, we have a lot of footage of him going around the house and um, saying his first words. And then we moved to Worcester and the same thing, we filmed him going around the house and playing with toys. And it's just kind of nice to have those videos. So I've showed them to him over the years. And so I think he would probably say um, that he had fun and he enjoyed himself. But once his sister came on the scene, there was definitely a lot more activity. And I think, you know, he it was, um, there was more to do. Although, as you know, when you have another sibling there, um, there can be competition. And we have one video <laughs> where Aubrey is just real little, but she's starting to get agile enough to like crawl up and get grab at his stuff. Uh -huh. And he was eating a piece <laughs> of cheese and she crawled up 
and real deliberately grabbed his cheese and crawled away quickly. And he started crying <laughs> and Katie was filming. And, um, and so we, we, we call that episode or that video, the, the, the story of the cheese thief, because, you know, <laughs> Mike is like, Oh, my cheese. And then he, he wants to get the cheese back. And then, um, and then, um, Katie's like, there goes the cheese thief. And, and you can see Aubrey scooting, the cheese. <laughs> but we got him his cheese, you know, and totally, right. and made sure Aubrey had some too. But anyway, so, um, all that to say, yes, there was a time before where he had fun and we could show him those videos. He can remember some of that perhaps by being refreshed by the videos, but then when his sister came on the scene, they had a lot of fun though. They did at times get after each other. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about for, for Yuma, do you think that if you were to ask him, mm -hmm. he could recall a time before Silas came and what was that like for him? And yeah, do you want to so, share any pictures or at this oh, point? Yeah, or? sure. Uh huh. Yeah. So in, in his case, um, I, I thought maybe this would be good. So here, this has a little reference here. Um, Oh. Here's he and I, where he's just a, a baby, and this this also you can kind of compare with with my face on the screen right now, <laughs> oh. too. Um, and then I I made sure to save this this shirt, um, and then can you tell you our can audience of, what the shirt says? Just for oh the, yeah, sure, sorry, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so um, for everyone on the podcast, the the shirt says "I am your father." It was um, I made sure to get it. It was uh kind of uh, right before the the seventh Star Wars movie came out and there was a, a big buzz for t-shirts and whatnot. And I saw that one. I really liked that. So I saved that, you know, so I needed to get a picture of myself wearing that with, with Yuma. And then later, and I think that this is the one I went, um, let's see, are you seeing a second picture or just the first one? Still? I'm still seeing the first one. Okay. Yeah. Then... Uh, just uh, new share here we go. then um you can see here where oh. silas is is um about six months here and and you can see so when when we think it's still the same shirt i am your father and but when we see the the picture of um uh, Aubrey and Micah together, you can really kind of get a sense that their ages are similar. But here, I think um, you can really kind of get a sense with with my two kids that three and a half years sometimes can be pretty a pretty mm. big deal. And so, yeah, so Yuma does kind of remember when um, it was just the three of us. Oh, and yes. yeah, and I wonder how much of an impact that has kind of had on how he feels and um, having, you know, suddenly had an, a, you know, to share the, um, his parents with another person. But initially he was really ex excited and he wanted to help out as much as he could. But um, I think the novelty wore off, <laughs> you know, before too long, but, um, but this too, has given us a chance to understand um, how he is feeling when um, he can really remember how it was when it was just the three of us and how his life was then. And then he, we have to even now be careful to remember that 
you know, when the youngest son still has needs that um, only his parents can help him with, um, you know, we have to be real conscious and real careful to make sure that Yuma doesn't feel like, you know, he's um, being asked to grow up too fast or being treated, you know, like too much of, of like as an adult, you know, and we have to remember and be real conscious of the fact that we have to be really accommodating for him and prioritize him at times too, even in the midst of, of moments when Silas, you know, needs to have a parent do something for him. And that, that was something that I think we didn't anticipate would be the case of having kids that were um, separated uh, even by just, you know, we didn't realize that there would be such a big difference between um, siblings that are only two years apart versus siblings that are three and a half years apart. And, um, and we're still working on, on navigating this too, to really um, affirm Yuma and, and help him to remember that, that he really does, you know, he's not just being overlooked and he, he's not just you know, the oldest child that has all these ex expectations, but he's allowed to be, you know, a kid too. I'm really glad you mentioned that because depending on the age gap between your kids, that, that does affect these dynamics between them and whether they're seen as a playmate or more a disruptor of the order of the family, so to speak, you know, and, yeah. um, in our case, our third child who I'll be sharing a picture of in just a little bit, uh, Hannah has a 10 year gap with our, with our oldest Micah and an eight year gap with our second child, Aubrey. So there definitely is for them that sense of, of distance. Like, I mean, they love her dearly, um, but she came on the scene and wasn't a playmate. They were actually more in the role of almost being, well, that kind of a, I would, I don't know if I would say caretaker, but I kind of mentor figure, so to speak, you know, as the older <laughs> siblings, you know, there's a yeah. gap and they could kind of teach her things about life. But at times, mm -hmm. you know, her needs could be disruptive for what they wanted. And um, so it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, could we transition from the baby stage onto the toddler preschool stage? Or did you want to, oh, yeah. did you have any more pictures you wanted to share from the baby phase or? Um... No. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Excellent. Well then if it's all right, I may sh share another picture here. And this is one of Micah and Aubrey in that toddler phase. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was definitely high energy. Um, I was working on my dissertation and, and, um, writing at home with them in these early years. And, Katie was working, which was great supporting our family. Um, there was a lot of fun and a lot of memories. We went to malls and got a lot of experiences. Um, but uh, there was a challenge in this season um, that I want to talk about. That was probably the biggest one our family faced. And that is um, related to my parents. And I have a picture here of us all together. Mm -hmm. when our kids were toddlers and um, our uh, Mike and Aubrey were very close to their grandma, especially on my side of the family. And Micah had met his grandma on 
his mom's side, but she had passed away when he was very young. And so Aubrey had uh, never met her though. Um, Aubrey was born on her birthday, um, oh. on, on the birthday of the grandma on of Katie's mom. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, this picture here is one of the last ones we have with my parents. Um, my dad passed away in 2012 and my mom passed away in 2014, right before Hannah was born. And so kind of walking with our, our kids as they were toddlers, then emerging into that, that early school age, um, right at this time when they lose their two of their grandparents. And that was a, um, a hard thing. And, you know, even at that stage of their development, you know, that processing those complex emotions and trying to nurture them through that. And I'll never forget the last time Micah saw his, his grandma, um, he said, I'll see you in heaven, grandma. And I remember, um, just feeling, um, like powerless mm. <laughs> to, cause I couldn't change the situation and mm. wanted to protect him and his sister. And I wanted for my mom to be with us more, but, um, mm. they were saying goodbye. And, um, so raising children, I think at different stages, you have to realize like, sometimes there are these things that are out of your control and the best thing that you can do is to try to be a supportive presence, even though you can't change the hard thing that your child or children have to face, you can walk alongside them and try to be an encourager and, and to kind of, I guess, accept that limitation and surrender and to that realizing we, like, we, we just can't uh, protect mm -hmm. them from everything, but trying to be committed to walk with them through that. Um, and in our particular story, there was this kind of redemptive healing aspect to um, the birth of Hannah, because she was mm -hmm. born just a month after my mom's passing. And uh, she was this new life coming into our family in another person for our kids to um, cherish and interact with and enjoy, even as they were missing their grandma. And so here's a picture of them with Hannah, when she was very small. And so I guess I would say that, um, that even though there are struggles and challenges, um, if we can, as a family can be committed to walk alongside each other and as much as possible as parents to be a supportive, non-anxious presence for our kids in the midst of that, that's a, that that's a really helpful thing. And, and that we will get through, um, and especially from a faith, a faith perspective with God's help, we will get through. Um, so, um, those are some of the the things that I remember specifically from that period. Um, are there some things that, that you would share on your end, Barney, of your experience with this kind of toddler age moving into just that early elementary? Yeah, I guess I, I noticed, and, and I'm curious to ask you too, that, um, you know, you start to think to yourself about the nature versus nurture debate. And I noticed a lot of things that, that Yuma picked up or Silas picked up um, or started doing and thinking, you know, that really is a lot like me or it's a lot like Ayako, but how, how did they start doing that? Or why are they doing that? Or um, where did they pick that up from? Because I don't think that I was necessarily doing that. And, um, and yet here they are, it's become a part of their personality. And when, when, um, 
thought that came to mind, and I can try to send, share this image here, is um, I think that Yuma happened to um, find one of my um, toys, I guess. It's um, it's something that somebody gave me. Um, it's it's a model trebuchet here. I'll try to, <laughs> I'll try to um, share it here. And he... Um, you know, he, he adapted it to think of a way for, you know, making this airplane fly, one of his toys fly, um, you know, using the fulcrum of the trebuchet. And, um, you know, and I thought, wow, you know, here he is, he's, you know, maybe two or three, and we can see already this real mechanical side of him come through. And, um, you know, my thoughts of what kind of personality, you know, would he, would he have maybe, or what kind of person would he end up being like? And I, you start to get real glimpses, um, unexpectedly of, of what kind of person he might be even at this real early age, um, just by, you know, how they play or what they're interested in or, um, um, but probably especially how they, how, how they play as in, you know, is it okay if it's not perfect or do they really want it to be perfect? And then, those are the things that um, kind of um, touch on what you said about parents being a non-anxious presence. And you think to yourself, am I, you know, exhibiting these um, tendencies or this kind of personality type by, am I acting like this unconsciously? Because I was hoping <laughs> to myself, you know, hoping I'm going to try to be a more real relaxed presence and be more go with the flow and this and that when my kids are around and and I wonder, you know, did 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 I not do it, or is this just somehow that they didn't pick it up from me, but it's just built into who they are? And um, we we especially see such a big contrast between Yuma and um, Silas. I don't have any kind of pictures to um, kind of typify how he has been, um, you know, in the toddler stage, but but he is, you know, completely barrels of laughs you know, kind of like, I think the other day he walked around the house with a box on his head just for, to make us laugh, you know, and, and, you know, we, we think, how could these kids be so different? And, um, you know, it probably is a little bit of, you know, the environment where they grew up, but it's also a lot, lot of, um, I think a lot of it comes from, from DNA too, and just the way things go together. And it's just so interesting to think, um, you know, how much of this do we really have, have a lot of input or, um, you know, control over with our kids and how much of it is just going to develop um, just because they are who they are. And um, that's kind of the stage where we are seeing, seeing these things emerge and, and then just um, kind of touching a little bit on, on elementary, you know, seeing Yuma overcome some of the things that were hard for him when he was a toddler and um, you know, we really praise him a lot these days because, because he's really um, making conscious effort or, or just he's over, you know, getting over the things that, that used to make life tricky for him. And we really are real careful now to show him how proud we are of him for, for being that way and, and doing that. And it, it's always in the back of your mind though, you know, our, did, did I do enough? You know, did, did, did they really feel 
how happy I was for them, how grateful I was for them. And, you know, it makes me think of this, this meme that I saw online of like, you know, it said like, you know, um, my, my child after I accidentally bumped into them and then like the child's face is just like kind of, you know, you know, everyday kind of face. And then, you know, how I felt after I bumped into my child and the, you know, the dad is like, you know, pleading, you know, like, please forgive me, <laughs> you know, and there's just, it's so you always wonder, like, we're feeling so many strong emotions for our kids and we wonder, are, is it getting through to them, you know, <laughs> how much we, we care about mm. them. And so yeah. there, there must be so much that goes that through the ether that, that is communicated one way or the other, but, um, you know, our kids that aren't necessarily, um, you know, you know, they're just responding the way kids do. So that's really interesting, Barney. I feel like if I'm hearing you right, it's a question of how do we nurture them in their own passion and, um, identity and like what they're drawn to, how do we support them enough so that they feel grounded and, uh, encouraged and, I feel like you do a really good job of this, at least from an outsider's perspective, just in the time that I, when I've been around you and your kids, because you really are willing to um, enter into times of play with your kids. Like, I feel like that's been a prominent thing I've observed is that you'll, you'll do Lego sets with them and you'll read books with them and you listen to their stories. And that play is a big part of your way of interacting with them. And I feel like that really helps affirm their creativity and, uh, things that they're interested in. And uh, I just want to applaud that. And I think maybe that's another thing that I feel like I've learned is trying to um, meet your child where they are. If they're excited about a particular uh, hobby or book series or toy or show, trying to enter into that as much as possible with them and ask questions about that. And instead of trying to lead them to something that, mm -hmm. you know, that you're drawn to, or that you were drawn to as a child. And sometimes they will like the things that you like when you were a child also by chance, you know, and that's mm -hmm. kind of interesting, but, but then, and that's okay to share those things. But at the end of the day, if what's resonating with them is something different um, to go there. And so um, I kind of wanted to share a picture, if I may, uh, relating oh, yeah. to this, um, Katie loved to read books to our kids when they were growing up and um, they went through the whole Harry Potter series. Yeah. She made sure, you know, they, that they were a little older when she did the final books, because, you know, the series itself, you know, is gets darker mm -hmm. as you know, the characters age and the story progresses. So um, our kids, after they finished the series with Katie, um, the kind of culmination of that whole journey was this conversation like what if our family went to harry potter world at universal studios in florida and so we got talk to talking about it and katie came up with a, a plan to save money and uh, over a series of years we we you know and this is before she fought actually i should say this is before she finished reading all the books but she knew it was getting close and she knew mm -hmm. if she started saving by the time we we're ready. She'd finish the last oh. book and then we could um, be in a good place to purchase tickets. And so, so we did. And then this is a picture of the kids uh, of Mike and Audrey with Katie looking on 
at uh, Hogwarts there, the re recreation of Hogwarts mm -hmm. there in Harry Potter world. And we had so much fun on that trip. And that is just an example of what I was talking with you about a moment ago, trying to enter into something with your children that they enjoy and to be enthusiastic about it and explore opportunities together. And I think it helps reward their creativity and their, um, yeah, and let them know you care about them. So mm. yeah, I wanted to share um, that story and wanted to ask you if you have kind of any reactions to that or any thoughts, um, you know, as you, as you think about that concept of entering into, you know, a hobby or an interest with your kids. Yeah. Um, I actually have, um, a photo I can share related to that. And, and this one, I was glad that kind of came about naturally. Um, Yuma, he, he naturally said that he wanted to be a chef when he grew up. And, um, and then I think that, um, you know, probably they saw a lot of us cooking at home and, and, you know, and I always like baking things. And then, so it gave a lot of chance for him to practice that. And thankfully he really enjoyed it. And, and I think also the kind of the more mechanical technical part of him really enjoys the recipe that, you know, it's laid out as a formula in a way and it has steps and, um, then, you know, this was one of the nice things about having um, his younger sibling that um, he can kind of give advice to Silas on on what, you know, how things should be done or what to do next year or whatnot. And um, of course, then I, I always feel like sometimes I have to step in and, and make sure that um, everyone is taking turns or at least, you know, not everyone is getting too excited or, you know, taking most of the, the ingredient pouring or stirring or sifting or whatnot. But I always wonder, and I'm curious, you know, I, I kind of have my own approach to this and I'm curious about how you've done it about um, when, when we kind of reach or broach the topic of, or the idea or the notion of sharing our hobbies, you know, things that we really liked, like in, in Katie's case, you know, if she was a big fan of the Harry Potter books, you know, she, it sounds like she was real careful about, um, you know, maybe when to start book one and then kind of how to progress through the series with the kids. Um, and, you know, I, I think about that too, with some of my hobbies, like Star Wars or, um, you know, certain books that, that I'm looking forward to reading together with my kids and um you know on the one hand you're really excited for them to get to um to kind of maybe for them to see it and also to see their excitement from from your perspective to kind of maybe relive that you know is that how I was when I saw this the first time but then the other part of me thinks well I want them to be able to understand and enjoy it and so maybe I should just wait you know, a little bit longer before they see it. But, and then, and then there's always times where um, things just happen um, naturally. Like um, I still wasn't planning on having them watch Star Wars until like, you know, maybe eight or nine years old. But then um, Silas saw um, Empire Strikes Back on the plane. And then he's like, it's like, oh, what's this? And he's like, I really want to watch this. And he watched the whole thing. At, you know, he was, he wasn't even four then he was, you know, like three and eight months. And, 
And I was like, well, okay, there that goes. And now, you know, we've got to watch the first one now. Is then, you know, Yuma peeked over and what's he watching? And that looks cool. And, um, you know, sometimes those things just happen that way. But yeah, you, a- you make a great point. So you make a great point of um, wanting, you know, your kids to have their own hobbies for sure. But there really is something special if there's, at least one or two hobbies that you can share oh, yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I agree. And um, so I think that there are several parts to that. Uh, sometimes if we present something that we're excited about, they genuinely will catch a vision for that thing and enjoy it too. Um, and um, that's fantastic. Cause then, you know, it's just all around exciting because you're enjoying mm-hmm. it. They're enjoying it. You can share and compare experiences Sometimes I found, and I'll give you an example here um, with video games. Um, when our kids were young, you know, I introduced them to Super Mario Brothers and, you know, some of the other classics, Pac-Man and Tetris. And um, <laughs> Micah was really into um, driving games and PC mm-hmm. gaming, which mm-hmm. neither of which I did a whole ton of growing up. So, you know, I would show, he would play some of my games with me, but then quickly I realized he was interested in these other types of games. And so mm-hmm. I just decided early on, you know, I'm not going to try to, you know, get him to spend more video game time with me playing the games I like. I'm going to try to ask him questions about the games that he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah at one point was really into Pokemon cards. She still likes him to a certain point now, but I mean, there was a time when she was very excited and that actually that hobby reminded me quite a bit of when I was into collecting comic books. So we would go to the local um, store here in Worcester that has a lot of collectibles and Pokemon cards um, called Operation Fandom. And I loved that because I would go in with her and it just reminded me of the old days of collecting Mm -hmm. comics, but it was kind of like focused in on her angle. I I didn't Mm -hmm. talk with her much about Mm -hmm. comics when we went. I just Mm -hmm. kind of cherished in my own mind, like, oh, this reminds me of that. Um, so I think, I guess what I'm saying is, um, if your child, if, if, I think it's great to present to them things you love, but if they have a different take on it or a slightly different area of focus, it makes sense to me to try to meet them with that instead of trying to convince them to come over to, you know, (laughs) the thing that you like most. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, I will say, um, there Nintendo released these little, devices called game and watch units mm-hmm. way back in the eighties. And then they re-released them just a few years ago in a newer modernized form. And I got two of those and Hannah would sit and play them with me. And I thought that was so fun. <laughs> so cool. and, and then just the other day I went to the, uh, the exchange, which is a used video game and music and movie store. And they had this old game and watch I had back in the eighties. It folds out oh. and has two screens. It's a Mario brother game where they're in a uh, bottle factory, passing boxes back and forth on a conveyor belt. And then you load a truck <laughs> and Hannah was interested in it. So we, for a number of days before she'd go to bed, we'd sit and she'd play the left screen. She'd be Luigi and I'd play the right screen. I'd, and I'd be Mario. And we'd pass <laughs> the boxes up and down the conveyor um, to each other and then load the truck. And it was so much fun. So there are times when mm-hmm. it does line up and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I guess I'm just thinking about the idea of, of, of nurturing your child's own mm-hmm. sense of self or their creativity. How do we, if we presented an idea and if they have a different take on it, how do we meet them there? Um, so that was, that's my only thought, yeah. but I, I love the sharing things that, um, were meaningful to me though. I think that's good. So, 
Yeah. yeah and, and I think that one of our, our roles, and I think, I think as, as a parent is to real be, to be really conscious um, of that, like you say, that, that we're not trying to kind of, cause I think it could be, it's easy to kind of get in the mindset where, you know, you know, why don't you like this? You know, I like this. Why don't you like this? You know, and you might kind of, kind of put a little bit too much pressure, but like you say, if you're really mindful of it, then, um, you know, maybe it'll take a different avenue or, you know, maybe you'll find things to be interested um, in their hobbies, or maybe you'll find connections. Some, like you say, with the comic books and the Pokemon cards, maybe you can find a connection um, with their new hobby. And um, yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know if this is, is kind of more recent thinking in terms of parenting, but I feel like it's kind of a new step um, these days and a, and a great and a, and a wonderful one that, that we're being more open to, you know, letting kids explore more and experiment more and, you know, be themselves from a younger age more. And um, it, in a way, this might be a challenge for you and I and us as, as parents too, as um, it's a, it's a pretty different step maybe than from what we experienced when we were growing up. And so um, it requires us to really be more conscious and in, in the moment and um you know careful of how how we're we're raising our kids and um you know uh the realizing the small things that we might say or do even if it's unintentional have have impacts on on how they feel or respond to things as well barney i was wondering if i could transition to another area in which we could support our kids and that's mm -hmm. kind of thinking about how we support them in their learning as they are, you know, engaged in school and developing habits related to studying and um, also how they navigate school with extracurricular activities and, and thinking about discipline and scheduling. I wanted to share a picture and try to speak to that a little bit, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. oh, um, yeah. So um, this is a picture coming up right now of our family trip that we took to California uh, a few years ago. It's a, another one of the biggest family trips that we've ever taken and that we planned for for a long time. Katie has family in California and we really, um, we wanted to get there eventually and we finally did. Um, but um, the reason I'm sharing this picture, it's a, it's of a really interesting um beach area with an ecosystem that is very mm -hmm. fascinating. I believe it's called Lover's Cove, something like that. It's near, it's in Monterey, near the, not far from the Monterey Bay Aquarium. But uh, you can go onto the beach, but then off to the side, you have these large rock formations. And as the water comes in, it fills these little cracks, you know, these water formations. And they're all types of interesting examples of marine life in these water pools, um, anemones and other sea anemones and other mm -hmm. things. And our family just loved looking at these creatures. And it reminded me of this idea of how do we nurture our kids in our learning? I'd mentioned before, Katie was, um, really interested in reading to them when they were growing up and not only fiction, but she would also read to them a lot about, um, animals and nature and science. And she would even sometimes do experiments at home every once in a while where she worked, they would get dry ice 
and she'd bring mm-hmm. it home and put it in the sink, you know, and it put some water and see the mist come up or mm-hmm. she, um, she, we did, um, this kit where you can order and have larvae sent to you and, and then butterflies eventually grow mm-hmm. and then you release them. And, um, she also, there was a home dissection kit she did once with the kids. And so, um, finding ways to help, um, show your kids that you are interested in learning and being a lifelong learner and are excited about some aspect of some field, you know, that maybe they would study about at school. And so they knew from an early age, their mom was a science person that she loved science. And she kind of passed that on to our kids so much so that now as Micah and Aubrey have gone through high school, Aubrey's still in high school, but Micah's completed it. They were, their science classes were some of their favorite classes mm-hmm. and they really put a lot of attention and focus on them. And I think it stems back to some of that intentionality that their mom had not only reading to them, but also telling stories, sharing experiences and excitement, and enthusiasm for a field of study. So I guess I'm just thinking, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts about for your own experience, but even for listeners, if they have kids and they're trying to think of how do I support my kids and help them develop a, a desire to learn or a passion for learning, well, share your own story with them about things that you were excited about learning yourself and um, maybe even find ways to bring that home. Maybe there's some book or activity or something that can be done in the home that helps bring that to the forefront. So um, are there any things like that on your end, Barney, that, that you can think of, or maybe even your own reaction to that idea of being a lifelong mm-hmm. learner and trying to pass on that passion? Yeah, you, that, that's a wonderful point to make um, and probably, um, people listening along too are probably remembering times when their own parents, where they noticed them like studying for for something or, um, you know, kind of trying to find a way to, um, uh, you know, show their, their passion for what they do. You know, I always, in my case, I always loved and still do hearing my dad talk about plants and, you know, um, just this summer, you know, Yuma had to do, Yuma has, um, people in Japan have summer homework and winter homework. And, um, you know, for his summer homework, he had to do some kind of project. And um, we decided to do it on um, how does corn grow? And, um, you know, we went out there and measured and, you know, took pictures and whatnot. And Yuma liked it enough, I think probably because it was homework, but I found myself, you know, just fascinated standing there listening to my dad talk about, um, you know, this is the anther and corn has to cross pollinate. And these are the ways that it probably cross pollinates. And, you know, the genome is so complex and, you know, and one silk is one kernel of corn and, you know, all of these things. And I just thought, wow, this is just amazing and fascinating. And, you know, at that time, Yuma was, you know, off somewhere else, you know, playing. <laughs> but but um, I think these if there are way, you know, in, in my case, I had a lot of hands-on, you know, with the garden at home, you know, that related directly to what my dad's childhood, but also what he did for work. And then um, in my mom's case, if I ever felt sick, you know, (laughs) or, you know, you know, why do I, why, why am I feeling this kind of pain? And then, so, um, you know, so then she as a nurse could teach me a lot of vocabulary and, you know, kind of help me to diagnose, well, you know, this probably, you know, if this happens, it might be an indication of this, you know, and then I still kind of use, of course, I still wish that I could 
run things by her, but I still kind of use all that I learned as, as guidelines, you know, how soon do I need to go into the doctor, um, you know, for, for how I'm living now. And in, in my case with my kids, um, It's harder because um, we, when we read books together or when we um, talk together and play together and, you know, watch movies together, they are learning English, um, which is a subject at their schools. And so that, yeah, that's kind of, I I think that Yuma is, is proud that, that he's such a good student in his English class. Um, But I wonder if, if he's, if he sees it, I, I mean, I think that, that he sees it, this is just the language that he uses when he plays with dad and, and with Silas. But um, in a way, I think he, he sees English also as this is something that um, not everybody can speak. And um, this is maybe very use, useful for, for him in a way. And um So I kind of teaching him these things, but then I always wonder, you know, um, how can I, like you say, how can I model more interests in, in, um, you know, uh, learning or in creativity and, um, you know, so I always make sure that we do lots of coloring and, you know, lots of painting and, um, and I try to do lots of singing, but they don't really like my singing very much. And I try, and I'm always making up new songs, you know, on the spot and they don't really appreciate that either. And I always think why these songs are very clever. Why don't you guys like these? And they just want me to stop. And, and I think, you know, why? <laughs> Because, You should appreciate this. <laughs> This must be a dad thing because I do songs too. And my family that are the same way. They do not want to hear my songs. No, yeah. It must be yeah, another reason for this being a good topic for us to discuss. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, how do you, have you found that you kind of give them some guidance in terms of, um, like the schedule that they have, like, do you tell them, all right, now, um, when you get home from school today, remember you have swimming at five. So your playtime is just going to be half an hour or, or um, you should uh, make sure, you know, it's about 20 minutes. So we need to leave. So maybe you should go get your, you know, your, your uh, swimming bag packed or, or your clothes ready, or have you gone to the phase yet where you're kind of coaching them a little bit on temporal awareness Um my wife is very good at that. And that's something that is tr really helpful in parenting to have um, a spouse that has that skill to kind of help your kids think through what's coming next and how they can prepare for it. And I think that does help um, when, you know, with this topic of creativity and learning, it's kind of another um, tool in the, in the kit of things available to them, you know, that they need to have creativity, learning, uh, temporal awareness, and, you know, ability to navigate schedule. And I wonder if, if you have some experience with that. Um. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, are, are you familiar with the, um, the experiment of, of the, the marshmallows and I think like the three-year-olds or so, and 
you know, the researcher says, you know, if you want one marshmallow, you know, you can, here it is, you can have it right now. But if you wait five minutes, I'll give you two marshmallows. And then they, you know, did a real longitudinal study with these kids and, you know, over a long period of time, and they found that, you know, there might be a correlation between, um, you know, um, at, I don't want to say success, but, you know, how is it measured, but, um, you know, their trajectory of their, their, um, how their, how their lives went for them, for the kids who waited five minutes seemed to have a more positive, um, impact in uh, their lives, you know, being able to um, kind of have delayed gratification and kind of think things through than, than the kids who took the marshmallow right away. So that, I don't mm, know why that has always been in the back of my mind, yeah. you know, my whole life as delayed a Delayed gratification. So, so yeah. And I, ah. I kind of, yeah, I kind of keep think kind of stress as much as I can, you know, you know, no games until your homework is done mm. or, um, you know, why don't we just, you know, focus on this now? Because then later you'll have all this free time, you know, to do the things that you want. And um, it, it, I, I don't know if, you know, you know, understandably it's, it's kind of a hard concept to, to grasp when, when they're, you know, young. Um, but I feel like they're becoming more and more um, tolerant of, of this kind of, this kind of outlook on it. And, and yeah, we actually, um, we actually, so with it, your swimming lesson was a good example because our kids are in swimming lessons and, um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, it's, it's always on a school day too. It's, it's on, um, a Wednesday. So they're maybe a little tired from school, but they've gotten to the point where, you know, I remind them of time coming up and then I set a timer and and then I kind of also give them some incentive to go, you know, like um, the other day I said, well, you know, afterwards, you know, we'll go and buy root beer and I'll make root beer floats for us. Nice, nice. So, yeah, so, yeah. But, but yeah, I think like they are getting a sense of, um, you know, of time, of time and scheduling. And, and my wife Ayako is especially good at this, you know, and has been for a long time with them you know, like saying, you know, even when they're three and four years old, you know, you know, okay, when the long hand is at the six, you know, that's when we need to go to school, you know, and we need to arrive there before the long hand is at like the 10 or something like that. And then, so they're, they're becoming aware in that way. And I, I think that it has helped now to where they are that um, they can understand a little bit better of, of the need to follow, follow schedules when, when there's something that you, you know, you can't be late for. And, um, even, even such that, um, you know, some, sometimes we, we play the game when we're getting, getting dressed or, 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 um, you know, ready for something. We play the, I'm going to be late for the bus game where, where we all pretend that we're in a big panic because the bus is coming and we've got to get out the door in like five, in like three minutes and we just change our clothes as fast as we can. And, um, you know, those are, those are the times where I feel like it's really nice that you can kind of play with your kids and, but also yeah. kind of teach this, this, um, you know, importance of, you know, some things you just can't be late for. Absolutely. No, I love that, that game. That's a great idea. <laughs> and setting a timer and having rewards. Those are all things that help prepare your children 
to mm-hmm. navigate these schedules and expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to ask about another area, and that is about uh, relationships, or one might say social skills. Like, how do we help our kids navigate um, sometimes really challenging situations, such as uh, a peer at school who's acting like a bully, or somebody who um, seems friendly one day, but then the next day seems aloof and then seems friendly again. How do we help our kids navigate these challenging situations? And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that, maybe how we've approached it. And then I want to hear how, how you've approached it, if that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. So my grandfather used to have this saying, and he would tell it to me quite frequently. And it stuck with me over the years. He would say, friends are like elevators. They either take you up or they take you down. And I remember um, learning that lesson directly in high school myself and kind of consciously making a decision to distance myself from a person who I felt was doing that in my life, taking me down consistently and choosing to connect with people who I felt were more encouraging and uplifting. Um, And then I remember sharing that with my kids and, um, you know, just kind of communicating to them, you know, you are worthy and um, you have dignity and you deserve to be treated with care and love. And if somebody can't give that to you or chooses not to, um, maybe it's the time to examine the relationship and let go of it or distance yourself or give you some more space. And um, so we try to communicate those types of messages to our kids when they're growing up that that they were worthy of respect and had dignity and that there it was natural for them to expect their peers to treat them well. And if a person couldn't to like empower them to say, sometimes, you know, you can have distance or sometimes you have a conversation, maybe the other person doesn't realize. Um, or if you have a conversation and the other person is unable to change or not willing, then you it's okay for you on your end with what you can change to react. But we've also learned that sometimes the measurement of the outcome of success um, shouldn't be the parents feeling good (laughs) about what results, but somehow maybe more emphasis should be on the child and the outcome that feels good to them. I remember when Micah was in school once, there was this situation where, somebody was acting like a bully at school and it was everything within me that I could do to like not get involved right away and like contact the teacher. Cause when he described to me what was happening, my sense of injustice was peaked and I wanted to like advocate for my son. But then I realized, you know, he's old enough now. It would be disempowering for him, for me to step in and do it for him. Like I need to like try to encourage and support him as he navigates and figures out like how to respond. And sure enough, he was able to talk to the student and he was able to talk to the teacher on his own without us getting involved. And we wouldn't necessarily say like, oh, it was like this triumphal moment, you know, where every, all, everything came into alignment, but it worked and he was pleased with the outcome. And we had to kind of be like, you know, as parents, okay, that's good enough. Cause on his terms, he felt like he was able to address that. And he was the primary agent acting. It wasn't us you know, as a helicopter parent swooping in and fixing things for him. And so I know your kids are uh, approaching, you know, 
adolescence get, I mean, they're getting ever closer to that, but we experienced when they entered that, you know, all the stereotypes of like the, the emotional roller coasters and, and friends being unreasonable and feeling, you know, at times our kids feeling isolated. And, and in the midst of all that, I guess my advice that I learned that I would tell my younger self is try to be a good listener, support your kids, let them know that they're, they're, um, valuable people, wonderful human beings that you love and that they deserve to be cared for and respected. Um, but don't try to, um, step in and, and do things for them that, um, instead try to empower them to act on their own behalf. And if, you know, things were serious to a certain point and you needed to step in, that's fine. But, you know, on the whole, it feels like much better to be a good listener and a non-anxious presence as, and to empower them, um, to respond. And so, um, those are some of my thoughts. Do you have any thoughts about that idea of, of relationships and social skills and how you navigate challenges like that? Yeah, I, I know what you mean about how when you um, hear these stories of things happening to your kids or maybe even see it happen, how it just really impacts you so strongly and you want to do all that you can to take away the hurt that they're feeling and um you know how wonderful it is that that you know in the story that you tell that Micah was able to do it on his own and get you know talk to the people he needed to talk with and get some kind of resolution from that and um yeah these those are the kinds of things that that you only have a few maybe you only have a few chances to to teach that lesson and um if they if they learn it wow they're so much better for it um, in, in our case, like you say that Yuma in elementary school, just in his first year, isn't so, um, is it really running into so much, dis, um, you know, so much trouble, I guess, in the way that people react, um, you know, relate to one another, um, at the moment. But, um, he does mention some kids that maybe have just general trouble, um, in school or with the rules of the classroom or, or the flow of the classroom themselves. And um, I think that he, I've noticed that maybe he kind of picked up on, on my way of trying to maybe like give the benefit of the doubt to people or to remember that there's a lot that we don't know. And so I often say, you know, or we often, he often says, you know, you know, you know maybe they weren't feeling that, feeling well that day or, you know, maybe something else or maybe this or maybe that and trying, trying to instill this idea of really, um, you know, getting to know people or, um, you know, I said, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, not, not being so quick to think, you know, this person is just a troublemaker just because they like to make trouble. You know, that's, that's what they do. You know, there's no other reason than because they like making trouble, but, um, Thankfully, he's kind of looked at it as a way of, um, you know, maybe there's, um, maybe it's related to something else. And also, I think being able to kind of name that, that, that there's an unknown that factor or, or element that goes into the way that students are behaving around him, that, that he doesn't feel like it's related to him. And so I think that he takes things less personally and is able to kind of just keep, you know, shrug things off easier and, and kind of go with the flow a lot better and, and continue doing what he wants to do. And 
and then like kind of related to um, your grandfather saying, you know, he'll, he'll, you know, choose to play with these people instead of, of those people maybe, or, you know, on some days, you know, you know, or like in gym class, you know, maybe he sees some value of, of, um, um, of all the students and, and how they play or how they do sports. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that you say, you know, as kids get older and older, and then there's more things to worry about. <laughs> and so I just don't know. I can, I'll probably listen to this, ep this episode again and again over the years to try and remember the good, good advice you have. Thank you, Barney. That's very kind of you to say. And one kind of philosophical thought that I have is, um, about um, maybe what we could say is our sense of autonomy or our sense of self as human beings. How do we um, come to uh, make the choices that we do and have the sense of identity that we do? And each parent is going to try to foster that in their kids in a different way. Um, in a lot of ways, I think, and I wanted to talk about this as we get towards the end of our episode, because I think it's interesting, um, the assumptions we have surrounding it, like some parents, like particularly, I think of my, my father and, and, and mother, like an older generation uh, of their era, you know, they, they might think of, of, of tough love, or like a little bit more of a stronger sense of discipline as beneficial for um, children and, and instilling, you know, but respect for authority and um, a certain amount of, of flexibility and deference. And, um, and it's interesting growing up, I felt a little bit like I, I, I needed to conform to what was asked of me with, and I, I don't know that this was my parent, parents intent, but I think this is how it translated into my life. I needed to conform with that, whether I fully understood it or not, or, um, maybe whether uh, it resonated with me or not. I, and now I'm talking a little bit about maybe how we think about decision-making so that when I grew up, you know, if my, if I was given a lot of specific instruction, you know, and I should listen to my, my parents and follow what they say um, quickly, I didn't necessarily always know how to make my own decisions, so to speak, mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. So um, mm -hmm. I tended to follow suggestions. And when I had my own kids, I, there were a lot of things I liked about the way my parents raised me, but that is one area where I thought, I want to let my kids have a little bit more freedom to disagree with me um, so that they have a little bit stronger sense of self so that when they get out on their own, they maybe feel a little bit more empowered to make their own decisions because you know, when they're growing up, I might be the authority figure. Um, and if they disagree with me, sometimes that's inconvenient for me, but, um, when they grow up, you know, not all authority, authority figures are, um, but, uh, but uh, what is the word benevolent? I mean, not mm -hmm. all, not all, uh, want what's best for them. I mean, mm -hmm. or maybe I shouldn't say authority figures. Maybe I should say not all voices or who are telling them what to do. So if they have the critical skills and a sense of self to ask questions and sometimes say, no, actually I want to go this route. Um, uh, then they're a little bit more empowered for that. 
Um, so I just wonder what you think of that. I, I think there is like anything, a positive and a negative side to having that approach. When I'm a little bit more lax, um, they have maybe a stronger sense of self, uh, maybe more space to voice that, but I guess it can undermine at times some of the benefits of the other approach where you have maybe greater respect for authority or um, more quickly, you know, respond to what's asked of you. But I feel like it was worth that risk because of that greater sense of self or autonomy. But I, mm -hmm. I kind of wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, that, that reminds me of this um, wonderful, I guess, comic or illustration that I saw. Um, and I think in the first panel, it is a little girl and, um, you know, she comes to her dad and she says, Hey dad, can I um, play with your tools? And, um, but the mom is kind of nearby and in the second frame, she says, you know, she says, that's not going to end well. And then the dad says, well, who knows how he says it probably won't start well, but who knows how it will end. And then in the last frame, um, you know, the, the daughter is an adult and she, you know, the dad's much older and she drops by and she says, you know, okay, dad, you know, the roof's all fixed, you know, everything's fine now. And, you know, it, it shows like you're saying how, um, like giving our kids that freedom to experiment, or like you say, to disagree with us, um, and to tell us their opinions on, on things even, and to be, to feel involved in decision-making, um, you know, even if it's, you know, you know, from parents' point of view, you know, try to find, trying to find real small things that they can at least have a voice in, um, you know, like the, you know, what color should the, um, you know, the rug be or something like that, you know, and then, then they can feel a real stronger, deeper connection and, and, um, a, a stronger voice. And yeah, I, I too really hope that I can help my kids to grow up to be, um, you know, critical thinkers and to, um, you know, be careful listeners to hear what is the person really saying to them, how, what are they trying to get them to do? And is it, you know, something that, um, that um, they should be doing or shouldn't be doing and, and kind of like piggybacking on what you say that maybe they're, the voice they hear aren't benevolent, you know, they also have to know that maybe the leaders or the, you know, the people around them aren't infallible either. And, you know, maybe their teachers or principals are making mistakes and maybe, you know, and if they can, in a way that has to be, you know, brought to light somehow. And, um, you know, if we're raised certain ways, we would just think, well, you know, I, I, it's not me. I can't, I can't bring that up. That's not my place to say, you know, that's, you know, someone else should bring that up. You know, I can't do it, but, you know, if we can help our kids to understand that, that, that things, a lot of things can be two-way streets and there should be room for discussion, then maybe they can be the one, you know, in, in the student body that, that brings that up and helps change to come about. And, um, it, it all starts, like you say, with, with, with small things and with the hardest thing it is to do as a parent to let go a little bit and let the leash out more for your kids. And, um, but like it says, you know, it might not start well, but who knows how it will end. Mm, I like that. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Thank you, Bonnie, for sharing that. That's really mm -hmm. inspiring. And I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to 
talk a little bit now, if it sounds okay with you about rewarding moments uh-huh. and the journey of parenting. And so I'd like to share a picture here of a very rewarding moment for our family. And this here is a picture from Micah's graduation from high school mm-hmm. that took place just this past spring of 2023. And, um, all of us are there in our family, plus Katie's brother and her sister-in-law. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how surprised I was with the emotions leading up to that moment. I I knew it was a big deal. And I myself had graduated from high school, but it was really the night before, or maybe it was mm-hmm. two days before they had a senior night and all of the seniors, um, had something said about them by their teachers and different teachers spoke about different students and there were stories shared. There were um, pictures. There were many things that kind of painted a picture for the family who was assembled there Mm -hmm. in the community of how special each of those students was and that class was. And um, it was just very rewarding and emotional to look at Katie and to say, like our son has come through from K through 12, he was one of the three students who got the um, 13 year award or whatever, the K through 12. <laughs> um, he had been enrolled every every year there at Central with, with these other two. And to be able to step back and be grateful for that moment that Micah went through and completed and was appreciated by a community of people. Um, his teachers were very affirming and um, to see him up there with his classmates. And so it can be so rewarding as a parent even though you come through these seasons where, as we said before, when your kids are young, you don't sleep very much perhaps, Mm -hmm. or when they're toddlers, you're trying to figure out their schedules and how they're eating. Or um, when they're in their adolescence, you know, they might have challenges socially with their friends and how they're acting or academics. But when you get to these certain milestone moments, it can also be so satisfying to say like, we've come through together as a family and our our child is at this point in their life and how exciting is it now that they're launching off into something new. And so that was a tremendous moment. And with him being our oldest, it was significant too, for our daughters to see that, that their older brother has was launching out now into adulthood and um, was going to be going to college in the fall. And so that's incredibly rewarding. Um, and then I just have two other quick photos that are a little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next one here is um, from Christmas Eve, just this past December. Oh, wow. And um, Hannah, for a long time, has wanted to get African dwarf frogs. And we have been planning for that. And we told her she would get them for Christmas. And we got the tank on Black Friday of this year and got it all prepared. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And then finally the time came and we went to go get those African dwarf frogs from PetSmart and also some snails (laughs) and the whole family went, it was a family affair. And this is a picture of our family out in front of PetSmart. And it was just such a neat moment to share in together that the youngest in our family could be supported by the older children Mm. and that we could go together and do that. And there are moments as your kids age, when they start to get their own schedules and their own routines where you don't see them very much. Mm. And then when they're around, you appreciate it that much more. And Micah came home from college and we appreciated having him in this moment be with us. And Aubrey works 
and she drives, she has a lot of friends. And so for her to take time and to be there in that moment, we appreciated that much more. And I think that's also is rewarding in life. When you realize as your kids age and they're going to launch out and to their own things, when they come back for those glimpses, those moments <laughs> of togetherness, it's something to really celebrate. Um, and then the final picture, this was after the Christmas Eve service we went out into the parking lot and we realized that all four of our vehicles were parked beside each other and we weren't <laughs> even planning that. We just, that's just how it was ended up. So on the left, that's the van that I drive. And then next to it, to, to its right is Micah's car. And then Aubrey's car is next to his. And then finally Katie's car is all the way to the right. And so we just had to get a picture of that. Isn't it interesting? We're at this point now where four mm. of our five family members drive. And that's part mm. of that progression of time with your children, as they emerge into adulthood, you see them um, doing these things that, that you do and you think, oh, mm. wow, uh, here they go. And you want to support mm. them as they, they launch out. And, and this is one of those visible reminders of that. So um, mm. thank you uh, for letting me share that. Are, are there any <laughs> things that you'd like to share, Barney, um, before we draw things to a close? Yeah, it, it's just been um, such a fun time together talking about this and, um, you know, thinking about, um, um, the fact that, you know, as dads, as parents, you know, we're not out there alone and, um, a lot of us are going through the same thing and, and to be reminded of, you know, maybe the things that we're doing are going to work out or, um, you know, may, maybe we should try a different approach for certain things or, um, maybe we should just always try to make it fresh. Who knows? But, um, talking about, um, being parents and, and our kids and their stages in life has been, and, and how, you know, we deal with them, um, uh, at the different, at, you know, at the different kind of stages in our lives that we are at when they're, um, going through their different stages has been, has been helpful for me and interesting and hopefully for everyone else along with us too. Um, did you have other thoughts, um, you went to add, um, Jacob? No, I think that's it from my end. Thank you. Yeah. So then we would like to say a big thanks to everyone who um, was listening along. And I'm glad that I can say that I, I wasn't necessarily conscious of this while I was um, talking with Jacob, but I'm glad to say that probably my, my dad is listening along out there. And I hope that he feels affirmed through today's episode too. And um, we, um, for everyone else who isn't my dad and listens along, we're very, very thankful for you and um, or watches along. We hope that you, like uh, Jacob and I, are looking forward to the next episode. So for the Two World Podcast, we will see you all again next time. Bye.